Science and Answers. When diagnosed with an incurable disease, the natural response is to get bitter or angry at God and fall into depression. However, there are some remarkable people who face their pain and suffering with joy and hope. How is this possible? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers, radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. We will be continuing on with Pat's remarkable interview with Rebecca Howe as she shares her experiences. Although living with a crippling disease that causes much pain each day, she explains how she has found joy and victory through Christ. Remember, if you missed any part of this broadcast, head on over to our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and look up Joy in Suffering. Now, let's get right to the conclusion of this interview. And then 1 Peter 5.10, it says, But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And that distinction between we're called to his eternal glory, but this suffering on earth is only a while, that just really stuck. And that's been many, many years ago, many decades ago, that anything we're going through today, no matter how horrible it is, and there are terrible things out there, it's not even to be counted against eternity. And I've had a lot of people, Christian people included, coming up and, okay, I think God is trying to teach you this, or God's trying to teach you that. And absolutely, maybe he is, and he uses this as a refiner's fire. And if this is my refiner's fire, I had a lot of refining to go through. Mm -hmm. But I also think of the examples that we're giving in Scripture where it says this is for the edification of the body, not for the individual. And I find that it's an opportunity. My weakness is an opportunity for fellow Christians to shine, who can come alongside and be prayer warriors. They can help physically with things. It allows others to use their spiritual gifts when I allow my weakness to be seen in the church. And I can say, guys, I really need help. I need prayer for this. Or I need you to tie my shoe because I can't reach my foot today. It allows other people to be part of our greater ministry in the Christian body. And I think that's so important. And anytime I start feeling sorry for myself, I think of one of my dearest friends. We've been friends for most of our lives. She's been in an electric wheelchair since the time she was two. And if I think my day is tough because I can't get my shoe on and I can't tie it when I get it on, my friend, who is a very accomplished professional, she's a Christian counselor, has a great career, but she can't dress herself in the morning without help. So I think there's always somebody who has at least what we would perceive as a greater need than we do. And and when we take that attitude into the church, knowing that not all wounds are visible, not all illnesses are visible, if we have that attitude of how can I be used today, Lord, then he's going to use us in ways that we would never, ever foresee. I just think that's so important for us as Christians to remember. Yeah, you're listening to our interview with Rebecca Howe, wife of uh, one of our favorite speakers, Dr. Richard Howe, explaining how God is using her pain and suffering for his glory. And, you know, Rebecca, I'm just really interested in, there are a lot of people out there who are suffering and, and my wife being a doctor as well, Mm -hmm. um, seeing how a lot of them just bitter 
they got the short stick on the draw yes. in life. Many have bitterness against God. People have been praying for their healing. You know, they're suffering from cancer or whatever it may be. And people mm -hmm. are praying for their healing and God chooses not to heal. And they get bitter through all that. I'm sure you've had those moments. I'm sure people have prayed that you would be miraculously healed and God has chosen not to heal. And I'm mm -hmm. just wondering, how do you keep from, you know, that bitterness or that attitude that says, man, God, I, I drew the short stick here. What's going on? I'll go back to one of, after I'd had my knees reconstructed multiple times, the first time I had steel plates put into my arms and my hands, they told me, this is going to really hurt, Rebecca. Mm. This is really going to be painful, more so than you can imagine because of how many nerves are in the hand. And I was just a few weeks out from surgery, still with surgical bandages. And Easter Sunday came, and I remember sitting in the pew at church, and it struck me while I was sitting in the pew as much pain as I was in at that moment because I just had stainless steel put in my hands and arms. I was struck that God the Father sent his son to be nailed to a cross with those awful spikes driven through his hands, his arms, his feet. And he didn't have anesthesia like I had mm. or the pain pills that I had. And I just sat through the entire service and just silently wept, thinking that's how much God the Father loves me that he would send his son to die for me. And I thought, wow. And so how can we keep from being bitter? You know, Romans, Romans 8 tells us that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed. And again, I go back to this is all temporary. Now, I'll be the first one to say that when I'm sitting having a procedure done without anesthesia, that's very painful that the sufferings of the present time are very temporary, that seems like a really, really, really long time. <laughs> I'll bet, yeah. Um, <laughs> so a, a very, very long time. However, I, I do, I really do think it's all a matter of perspective. And sometimes I think we need our team of people around us, be that family, friends, church body, the extended body. I think we have to have those people around us to help keep us focused on what is important. It's become almost a game at our church with people in our Sunday school class and people in our, our Bible fellowship that they can't wait for me to have another surgery because they can't wait to see who did I meet in that operating room or along the way to the operating room, and they can't wait to hear those stories. So now it's become almost this game of, okay, Lord, who are you going to put in the way that I'm going to meet? So it's like I can't fail to have the right perspective because I've got so many people wanting to know, how is God going to use Rebecca today? That doesn't mean that I can falter. I absolutely can. But our pastor had a medical procedure done, thought he was ready to leave the hospital. He stood up and he fainted. And so they said, we've got to keep you here for a few more hours. And he was telling us this in Sunday school class. And he said the first thing that hit him was he was so frustrated because he had other things to do that day. He had not planned to be in the hospital for more hours. And then he said, I thought, okay, what would Rebecca do in this situation? She'd be looking for somebody she could talk to about the Lord. And this is not to toot my horn at all. This is other people hold me accountable. And he said, a nurse walked in and it, it turned out that nurse, that nurse needed a pastor. And she had a full-time pastor. She walked in and she said, I've been assigned to you for the next 
so many hours until you can leave the hospital. And she needed pastoral counseling. And, you know, he was able to turn that into a blessing. I think we all have these opportunities, and I'm fortunate to be able to highlight them for people because everyone's like, oh, that's a really, really unique situation you have. Well, yes, not everyone gets to know every orthopedic surgeon in the southeast United States like like I do. But I think we all have these opportunities, and I but I do think it takes our Christian family to hold us accountable. I have a good friend. She lives in a different state. I know when she calls me to see how I'm doing, or I call her, we're going to catch up on what's going on in our lives. But I know without question, at some point in that conversation, she's going to say to me, okay, Rebecca, I'm glad you and Richard are doing well. I'm glad the ministry is going great, but how's your walk with the Lord and how is your prayer life? And I know I'm going to be called on the carpet for that. And that's good. That's, we need to have that accountability. And I have that accountability with people in my life, in my church, my family, that they're going to call me on that carpet if I were to start, if my attitude started to change. Mm. And that's good. I think we all need that. And when we start seeing opportunities instead of obstacles, and we focus on the eternal glory, and again, I'm not saying this and not living it because life's not always easy. I'm not making up that I can't tie my shoes someday. Mm-hmm. Some days I can't get my shoes on my feet. Some days I can't button the shirt and someone has to do that for me. And it's humbling. It's hard to ask. But one of the things my mom told me early on is she said, you have to learn to ask for help because as Christians, we're not meant to be alone. Mm. We have a greater body that, that is all, we're all part of the body of Christ and we can all help each other out. And we're all part of that body. We can cry together, we can celebrate together, but we're all part of the body and we need to help each other. And that was, you know, one of the wonderful things. I loved being, accompanying Richard and being there in Hawaii this earlier this year to get to meet people that are part of the Evidence and Answers family so that now I can pray for them each day and cry with them and celebrate when wonderful things happen. But I think it's so important that we have this Christian family that holds us accountable. But I do believe it comes back to we have to decide. We have to decide every day, and maybe it's every hour or every minute, here's how I'm going to tackle this. And my attitude is the only thing I can, I can control. I can't control when my body is going to dislocate. I can't control when something's going to happen in my spine. And maybe next time it won't just be my legs. It might be something far more impactful than losing the ability to walk. I can't control that, but the only thing I've ever been able to control in my world is my attitude, and I need to make sure that that stays focused on Christ and the eternal glory that he has promised us. Yeah, so I'm hearing three things in answer to that question. How do we keep from just being bitter at life, bitter at God, bitter at our situation? Mm -hmm. And you seem to be saying these three principles here is every day to remain Christ-focused, every day to remain eternity-focused, that our time here is short compared to eternity and the glory that awaits us. And third is to be others-focused or ministry-focused. It seems like those are the three principles you're going by that really keeps you from really uh, bitterness and anger and feeling sorry for yourself. It seems those three principles I'm picking up here. Is that is that, is that right? That, you said that very well. <laughs> hey, all right. 
that sounds like a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've I've noticed that in my life. I mean, it it sounds cliche, but coming from you, that has to do it constantly. But I know in my life, when I'm self focused, I'm like, why isn't my ministry growing like I'd like it to? Our support has been cut. Oh, I can't go on this speaking engagement because, you know, I've got an injury or I'm really sick or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can get really depressed if I don't have those three focused and in line each day. And that allows the devil to really get a foothold in my life and and really bring me down some dark roads uh, when those three aren't in line. And so how do you keep those three in line each day or, as you said, every moment? Thanksgiving. One word, Thanksgiving. And what I mean by that is in everything, there's always something to be thankful for. And our pastor, our local pastor here in Georgia has driven that home. Every time we get together, whether it's for Sunday school or church or small group, it's what do we have to be thankful for today? And some days, the days are so hard that it's like, you know what? I need to be thankful that the sun rose this morning or that I woke up this morning. But in everything, we have something to be thankful for. And I find if we actively practice Thanksgiving, it is life changing. And one of the things that Richard and I have have found ourselves doing is we'll just be in the car and something will happen. And instead of going, oh, my goodness, we were almost just hit or we just avoided something. Now it's just like, okay, thank you, Lord, for saving us from that. And for all the other things that you have just physically saved us from that we didn't even see. We actually try and say it out loud. Not that saying anything out loud has power. It doesn't. But we need to remind ourselves to always be thankful. And I think by having that attitude of thanksgiving, okay, I woke up and I couldn't move my legs, but I was grateful Richard was home. He wasn't traveling. And that made things a whole lot easier to deal with than than being alone. Okay, a joint dislocates. I have to have surgery. Thank you, Lord, that we live in a country where that's not a problem. I can find a surgeon who can put me back together. Or, oh, this has dislocated. It can't be fixed. Now that's going to be something else I have to live with. Thank you, Lord, that I still have other things that do work. And this is not a magic formula. You know this so well living in ministry. But it's not a magic formula, but it is. it changes our attitude. So I think with that attitude of thanksgiving, it allows us to be Christ-focused, eternity-focused, and others-focused. Yeah, I think it brings to mind that passage from 1 Thessalonians 5 where Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this Mm -hmm. is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so, I mean, uh, you literally live that out, giving thanks in all circumstances, in the good, in the bad, in the tough times. You're able to give thanks to the Lord there in all circumstances. And he gives that command, I believe, for the reasons that you just spelled out here. And, you know, it's really interesting because I I pray for my medical team. Some of them are Christians. Some of them are not. But I've learned I have to be transparent when I'm struggling because then they can see Christ shine through me, through my struggles. And so when I can, I can be thankful for something and still be realistic. And so, yes, through everything, God's going to use everything. And I want to be able, as I know, evidence and answers is so strong on this. I want to be part 
of what God's work is and what he's doing in this world. It's going to happen with or without me, but I sure do want to be part of it. That's just a great attitude there in the midst of going through, you know, just an extended period of time of pain and suffering. (laughs) Well, Rebecca, in the last few moments we have together, we could probably talk all afternoon, but uh, I'm sure I'm going (laughs) to have to let you go here. But, you know, there are people out there who are hurting. They've just found out they can't have children. Mm -hmm. Just talking to a young man out there, I think he's in his early 60s, going to have colon cancer and going to have to quit his uh, business here and going to go through some serious radiation surgery. And that's really got him depressed. Mm. Got a mother who, you know, has a daughter diagnosed with a serious illness here and that uh, her daughter may not be around for much longer. I think it's a form Mm. of MS. And it seems like they just got the notice that her daughter's body is beginning to shut down. Suffering, asking those questions, God, where are you? How do you let this kind of stuff happen? So what message of hope can you give to those who suffer, as you have, for an extended period of time or looking to face some very difficult times ahead? Right. The first thing that I say to people is, this didn't surprise God. And there's a great comfort in knowing that this didn't surprise God at all. I think that makes it easier for a believer to then pour their heart out to Christ and say, this is tough. This is awful. I don't think this is fair. I'm angry. Why didn't you do X, Y, or Z? God's not going to be surprised. And we know in Peter, we're told to cast every care we have on him. And that includes the, this colon cancer, it stinks. It's the, the treatment's awful. The, the MS is a terrible disease. And I think once we know that it's not a surprise, we have to be honest with what we're feeling. I don't think we need to try and I have to put on a fake facade. I can't put on a facade, mm-hmm. but a fake facade. We can't put out a facade that says everything is happy with the world when it's not. I, I think we have to be honest with ourselves. And that's the second thing would be honest with ourselves. What am I struggling with? Am I struggling with that? It's me that God's allowing this to happen to me. Do I think God sent this to me? God, how can you use this in my life? Is there something I need to change or can I, can you use this? Even if it's something I need to change in my life, if it's a major, if it's a major issue that someone's dealing with, others are going to know about it. So how in the world, even while it's dealing, dealing with something in my life, Lord, let me be a blessing in somebody else's life, whatever that looks like. And I think we have to get to the point of whatever that looks like, because that might not be fun for us. That might be really, really awful for us. And one of the gals that, I, that I'm friends with that I've been mentoring for a few years, she and her husband have gone through stage four colon cancer. It was out of the blue, and her husband had to have surgery. It was, you know, it's a terrible surgery. The recovery time is multiple years, and we, we've been through that together. And thank you, Lord, her husband survived and came through. That's not always the case, but he did come through. And I'm like, okay. How can remember where we were a few years ago and everything looked very bleak, but we just kept trusting God that his will be done. And we were praying for that healing and we set our attitudes right. And I do think that makes a big difference. And then others can be blessed. And sometimes even when the answer for an individual is not good news, maybe it's a terminal diagnosis. Maybe it's something crippling, maybe whatever it is, God can still use us to bless other people. And we ought to want to be part of that blessing for other people. 
whatever that looks like, if it's an encouragement, if it encourages them to read the scripture, to be in the scripture. I know for a time, we've, we've all heard people say, oh, well, we think Paul must have had a problem with his eyesight because, you know, the letters he says, you know, I write with so large a letter. And I think there's a reason the scripture doesn't give us specifics on what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. You know, what were other people dealing with? Because at the time when I had had my first hand surgeries, I couldn't write. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you guys are thinking Paul's thorn in the flesh is his eyes. Let me tell you, maybe his hands were messed up and he couldn't write. So I, that's why I love the fact that there's some things in Scripture that aren't so specific. But what is specific is that nothing surprises God and we need to be glorifying him in everything we do. And I know I was recently talking to someone who has a, a mental challenge and we were just talking and it's like, no, even with that, you can still glorify God in your attitude. Mm. We can we can have a glorifying attitude. And I mean, look at look at Job, everything he went through and he was able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I'm like, wow, because mm. I don't think poorly of Job's wife for saying curse God and die. Yeah. And she yeah. was a loving wife. It's like, put you out of your suffering, curse God and die. Mm-hmm. And Job was able to say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And I'm like, wow, okay, if Job could see that, could say that, you know, Lord, help me. And I just think we have to be Christ focused. And sometimes putting one foot in front of the other is all that we can do. Taking a day at a time, that's way too big of a bite to take. Taking an hour at a time is too big of a bite to take. For for that person that's just lost a child or found out they can never have children, taking tomorrow is too big of a, of a step. Mm. Okay, for the next minute, do this, and the next minute, do this. So I think we have to be sensitive to that and not have Pollyanna expectations. Mm-hmm. Life's not fair in terms of what we might think of as fair. But nothing is surprising God. And with an attitude of thanksgiving, we truly can. We can glorify him. And even if, to me, Hebrews chapter 11, when we talk about the chapter of faith and everyone starts talking about these stalwarts of the Christian faith, you know, we've got, you know, Enoch and Noah and Abraham and all of this. But what I find so encouraging is the people who are named in Hebrews 11 are the ones that it says they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tried, they were slain with a sword, they were destitute, afflicted, tormented, wandered in the deserts and mountains and dens and caves. These are the people who are listed in the Hall of Fame here for faith. That's not a, a life that we here in this day and age would say is a wonderful thing. We wouldn't you know, aspire it's just people say, oh, I want to be like people in the Bible. Really? You want to be cut in two? <laughs> mm-hmm. But these are the people that God calls out as being, you know, they were, they had faith. And so I think even as Christians, we need, to, especially as Christians, we need to realize that our hope, our wonderful, amazing hope is not in this world. If I don't wake up tomorrow, I know where I'm going to be spending eternity. And I'm so grateful and can't wait to get there. But I think we just have, any, have to have an eternal focus. Yes. Wise words from Rebecca Howe, someone who's been through and still going through a lot in life to encourage each one of us. And really, this is what theology and apologetics and studying Christian doctrine is 
you know, all about. This is where the rubber meets the road. So, Rebecca, thanks for sharing your story with us. And if people want more information on you or maybe get in touch with you, uh, how can they do that? Yes, if they go to our website, which is richardghow.com, and there is a contact button there, and that comes to that information, that, that request will come directly to me. That's terrific. Well, Rebecca, thanks for sharing your story with us. I'm sure it's an inspiration to many who are listening. So thanks for being with us here to share your story on Evidence and Answers. Thank you. Our time for today has come to a close. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Would you or your church be interested in having Pat speak or host an apologetics conference? Just give him a call. In Hawaii, that number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. And while you're there on our website, take a look around. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. Use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio free to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, you can find a link to donate on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Right, right.